Catherine says I should preach a 10-minute sermon. (laughs) (laughs) So part of the sermon has already been preached. And in anticipation, seeing as those things were coming together, multiple testimonies of God's work, I thought I would take more of maybe a, a thought, a devotional thought from Ephesians 4 on this idea of calling. Paul says, Ephesians 4, 1, he says, and we've seen this the last couple of weeks, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he's speaking to the whole church. So I want you to know you have been called. This morning we've heard some specific kind of unique expressions of a call to follow Jesus in action. And he does that too. It's very clear. But I want us to distinguish that. I think it's very important that we all are under the same call to Jesus. He has drawn us. Paul is speaking of this general call to know him, to follow him. And, And yet Paul himself has a unique specific call on his life, doesn't he? Something that we heard expressed here a couple times. Paul's call was in, we, we see recorded in Acts chapter 9 verse 15 where where the Lord spoke to a man named Ananias and told Ananias to go find this man Saul and Jesus would change his life and has changed his life and he said go for Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel and I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name So here's a specific, unique calling to Paul to preach to the Gentiles, to preach even in front of powerful men, which he did, and ultimately to suffer for his name, to give all of himself for the cause of the kingdom. That's a unique, specific call. And we heard uh, this morning, Jenna say, "I, I know God has called me to teach the little children. That's a unique, specific call. Uh, For Ryan, a sense of He's been calling me my whole life, but he called me to the Peace Corps. But ultimately, if you can distill that down, as he shared, it's to help hurting people with my hands. And so hearing God's voice in that way and responding to it is significant. Catherine and I, we operate, I think we share a threefold call, we would say. It's been distilled and, and determined over the course of years. We didn't hear God speak in audible voice, though he does do that at times. Our, our threefold call, we, we would say like this, is to revitalize the church, to restore family, and to redeem education. It's just the way that God has equipped us and burdened us. And though we didn't hear an audible voice, that's been distilled and then tested out that we could express it that way, that would align us to his purposes and vision and everything we do. So unique calling is important. And sometimes that burden, that burden leads to equipping. The burden of, uh, I must do this. Uh, the Lord is leading me, equip, is, is sending me, I must do it. I'm, therefore, I must be equipped for it because I've got nothing to offer. And sometimes it's the other way around. The equipping leads to the burdening. God takes us through things, even hard things, or positions us in places, uh, the very family he puts you into, uh, the, the places he moved you. With, you wouldn't even want to move or never saw yourself in that place. He'll take us into things and places, seasons, or plant us into new places, fields, that he will grow us in. And then therefore that burden grows and then we must be equipped, right? So you see kind of a, a cyclical pattern to the equipping and the burden. I think it's also important to test that call because some of you would say, I, I, can, I know I can articulate a call, a specific, like we heard today or, or something like Paul. had. Maybe it's more of a, uh, an impression or a conviction that you have then put words around. That's okay. 
Maybe some of you can't. You're like, I have, I have no sense of that, that kind of specific, unique call. Maybe you did at one point and you're in a whole new season. Are you praying for God to clearly speak, to give you that conviction and, and passion and focus? And then it's important to test. If you're wondering about it, it's important to test in, in three ways. According to the word, is, is this burden that I have, to, to give of myself, to serve, to see impact, to see influence. Is it of the Lord? Is it in accordance with his heart? Is it in accordance with his story of redemption, reconciliation, healing, community, faithfulness? Is it in line with his heart? And so for, for ours, it passes that test. It is in line with his heart. That doesn't mean we're supposed to do it, but we better start with God's word and his heart and his character. Is it in line with him? And then we bring it to community. It's not done in isolation. Then you say, we believe we are called in these ways to friends, to those that are close to us, that know us, and we've invited others to speak into our life many times to discern these areas of our call. And many have. And, and also, by the way, when others come and affirm that or encourage you or speak into your life when you haven't asked, usually you should pay attention to those things. So do they continue to line up? So that's a second form to bring it into community and test whether others in your life who know you see that in you and see that heart and that burden. And then third, simply observing the Lord's favor is the way I would say. You might say it in, in, a, in a open doors. The door, God keeps opening these doors of opportunity He's getting my attention. They keep happening along these lines of call, of ministry, of service. And for Catherine and I, we continue to see that. Doors open that should not have opened. Ones that we weren't the most equipped for at a time, but that he moved us into. So those are some three way, three maybe ways to test that call. If you believe God has, is asking you of some, to do something, is burdening you for a ministry and a mission, can you test it? Does it pass that test? I also believe, this is bringing it to Ephesians 4, that our unique specific calling, if we have one, if we sense one, it flows out of who God has made us to be, who he's wired us to be, this is the imago day, which is just Latin. You'll hear that phrase often from me, and I don't want to just be casual with it and assume people understand. We don't all speak Latin, right? The imago day, the image of God. And we are created in his image. This goes back to page one of the book, Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So we reflect him. We are an image of him, all peoples. We don't have the fullness of God's image. Only Jesus is fully God, right? All of the divine fully dwelt bodily in Jesus, Paul says in Colossians 1. Only Jesus has that. But in Ephesians 4, Paul says that Jesus gave gifts to people. As he ascended to sit on the, at the right hand of, of God, he gave gifts to his people, to ultimately to the church, that some would be, this is Ephesians 4.11, some would be apostles, some would be prophets, some would be evangelists, some would be shepherds or pastors, and some would be teachers. He has given his gifts to the church to build up the church because not one person has it all. We need one another. We need community. But we have been gifted and wired that way. You have too. You may not be a leader in a formal sense, a healthy church would have multiple giftings expressed throughout its leadership at various levels, but you too are wired a certain way. 
you are gifted in that same way. We might say that the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, we might say they are unique spirit-inspired abilities, capacities that he gives us. Sometimes for seasons, sometimes for our whole life, we see those giftings at work. And it's right to pursue and to discern those things. This isn't a sermon on the spiritual giftings. But in in Ephesians 4, if I could contrast that, I'd say these are more our imago Dei. These are ways that you have been wired. And you should sense that. If we can articulate what each of those roles is, at least doing our best to try to articulate what, what it might mean to be a little apostolic, which simply means to be a sent one. And so it's often one who goes into new places starts new things as an innovator. I've preached on this a couple weeks ago. We, we, we might sense that we resonate with a heart, to, that we are uh, more evangelistic or, or prophetic in nature or a teacher or a shepherd because God has wired you that way because you reflect him. It's what he says in his word. Discovering that and knowing that empowers us to lead according to those giftings. And so I encourage you to be on the pursuit of discovery and that could be a process. It might, you might be able to sit and take a, a survey. In fact, there's some good ones online. If you search five-fold ministry test or APEST is kind of the acronym there, A-P-E-S-T, representing those five. If you searched APEST, if I referenced Alan Hirsch is kind of a forward thinker in this area. He's a miss, missiologist. He wrote the book, a number of books, but the book Forgotten Ways, The Shaping of Things to Come. Uh, his ministry online has some surveys and tests. Some of you love that stuff, right? I'm going to answer these questions and kind of get, get an answer, and, a, and it clarifies, and then the descriptions of it you just resonate with. Some of you hate these kinds of things. Like it confuses me. I don't know how to answer the questions. I'm always trying to analyze, well, what do they think they mean by, and what should I say? So if it's a helpful tool, and there's there's a number that are on there. I've taken a number of them. Uh, All my results come out similar. And so that there tends to be something in that. And then when I share with others my results and have them speak into my life, they often affirm those things. That's how you know it's a good, a, a good test. Again, in community, not in isolation. Uh, if we, we were having fun even this week with some friends, taking it and encouraging them to take and speaking back and forth into one another's lives. And sometimes challenging, sometimes saying, I, I don't really resonate with that. Why, why would you think that would come back as a result? That's good. I mean, that's a, that's a healthy process of discovering our wiring and then serving in response to that. Because when that happens, the whole body grows. And so I believe a, a unique, specific calling, if you can articulate it, will flow out of that sense of wiring, calling, imago day. It's just natural. Another way to discern it, I, I walk with a number of men in discipleship, and I'll, I'll say, what is your holy discontent? It's a phrase I've borrowed. It's not a new phrase. Holy discontent, H-O-L-Y, holy. A holy discontent. Here's the here's thing. When you tap into the heart of God and then look into the world and see what ought not be, you look into the world and you see hurt, pain, brokenness, loss, evil, prevalent injustice, abuse, oppression, on and on we go. When you look into the world and you see what ought not be, because you know the heart of God for the opposite of all those things, and you are discontent, that's putting it mildly, a righteous anger, a slow burn. And what you notice is that you are far more disconcerted, discontented, angry about that area of of, of pain or brokenness or loss or injustice in our world than, than most others are, pay attention to that. 
It's likely a, a holy discontent, a burden that the Lord is giving to you out of the way he's wired you to do something about. Now, Catherine and I, we could also describe our threefold call in response to this holy discontent. I would say it this way. We, we look into the world, and especially our context, and we see the church of Jesus withering and dying. It must be revitalized. We look into the sense of family, the general sense of family in our community that is attacked, is being lost in our culture, and then individual families that are hurting and broken and divided, and it must be restored. We look into education, the educational system, I should say, not those that serve within it, but the system itself that's become dysfunctional, it's become politicized. It's being torn at all angles with its own, with, with multiple agendas. And we say it must be reformed. So there's this holy discontent that we have in these areas as we hopefully tap into the heart of God for what ought to be. We don't see it fulfilled and we must do something. And often again, that leads to equipping and it leads to action. As if we could be the only ones. We pray that there are many that are called in each of those areas and there are that we would find them and connect with them because we, could, we have no hope to change anything without first him and then also his empowering through a community and others who are likely burdened and specifically uniquely called. We're reminded, and even this morning we're reminded that God is always at work calling, stirring hearts, seeds are being sown and we are growing in order to bear fruit for him, whatever field we've been planted in. By the way, I should step back. If you, if you, are, if you have sought the Lord for clarity in a call and you've prayed and, and you feel like you don't have it, it may not be that you're missing it. Now, perhaps, perhaps he has spoken and you kind of know it. And so you've kind of been doing the other way. God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stay home and do that. I want to go out. I want to go out there. I want to be that. I want to be that part of the body, not this part that you made me. You do need to, you do need to take that to the Lord and <laughs> repent of that and walk in your gifting because it's the only way you will thrive. But, but I can also say that might, there'd be many of us who say, I've been seeking the Lord. And I just don't know. It may not be his timing to reveal. He may say, trust me, rely on my calling of you. As Jesus said to his disciples, we all resonate with this if you're his disciple. The first call he gave to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, that's the call to both be and to do. Come, come, follow me, and I will make you. He he creates, he inspires, he shows our identity in him. I will make you who you are, who you've meant to be. It's what Paul was preaching to the Ephesians. Remember who you are because of what God has done, because of who he is. Therefore, then live. When Jesus said, you will be fishers of men. You will be disciple makers. That's the call we all share. It's what his heart is and his mission is, and he will send us. And if you don't know or can't articulate a specific call, a unique call like we heard today or that Paul had or that many other men and women of faith throughout time have had. It may not yet be his time. Keep seeking, keep asking, but then humbly say, Lord, what are you yet showing me that I must receive to follow the general call? The way Paul would say it in Ephesians 4, 
In Ephesians 1, in, in his letter, Ephesians 1, he said, God the Father, here's your call, here's all of our call, if we have been drawn to him and come to him. God the Father chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That's who we've been called to be. Because of that, we've been called to work, to live, to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. Maybe the clearest expression of it is, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should do them. Who we are, because of what God has done and who he is, determines then how we live. And that we all share. That's our call. And in Ephesians 4, we all share the call to grow. Paul is writing to the church as a whole. This is your calling, that we would all grow up into him, that we would all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature. This is verse 13. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that no, we would no longer be children or infants even, that we would be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, by craftiness and their deceitful schemes, but this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, this is literally could be translated truthing in love. Not quite the way we would say it, but something that could get our attention. I'll have to leave that for next week. That we would speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. That's our call. And that call, who we are, what we've been called to collectively supersedes, is foundational for any specific, unique articulation of a call that burdens us or compels us. And I pray for an understanding and a knowledge and awareness of both for every one of you whether you've never known it, and even now as you begin to think and ponder, maybe sparks of it are coming. For those of you that knew very specifically what you were to do, but that's been decades now, and you don't have that capacity anymore, and you're asking, God, would you clarify a new call in this season because he's not done with you? I pray for both. I pray that we would be people who both know our wiring, our imago Dei, hear the voice of God clearly, respond to it fully. But before we get so specific as if that's the only way and the only call, we remember that as a body, we have all been wired uniquely and that we all need one another and we all need to encourage and empower one another to express the fullness of who God has made them and to celebrate and honor those unique, specific calls into hard places. We may not be called into, but we may be called to love and celebrate and pray for and encourage that we would know Jesus clearly and respond to him. So that's what we want to do. I guess it wasn't 10 minutes. It's about the shortest sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> Let's just not call it a sermon. That was just a devotional thought. <laughs> you want a homily, you can go somewhere else. So this is what you get. I'll invite the team to come. Prepare us, Lord, 
to respond. I think you have been preparing us, Lord, to respond to you. I pray that whatever was said today, as we had many testimonies and voices, and we thank you for them, thank you for the work that is, is yours in and through them. Whatever was said that it was of you for us, we receive. Whatever was not to be dwelt upon for us today, Lord, let that just blow away like chaff, that you would speak clearly to our heart, convict us that we would walk out of here more focused, more directed for what you've called us to do. But first, we are here to know you to worship you, to seek both your presence and your empowering. So speak, Lord. Your children are here listening. And then draw out of us praises of thanksgiving and prayer that we would be your people, your body, unified and growing up in you in every way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.